Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Harry Robertson from the Opinion and Analysis Desk. Under the stewardship of its young crown prince Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia has projected its financial power and sought to turn around its oil-dependent economy, say Andrew England and Simeon Kerr. Central to this has been its Public Investment Fund, or PIF, a vast sovereign investment vehicle. Yet the killing of journalist Jamal Khashoggi has made the task of reshaping the kingdom's economy by attracting overseas money much harder. This report was written by Andrew England and Simeon Kerr and read by Harry Robertson. Just months after King Salman ascended to the throne, he presided over a cabinet meeting that would have a profound effect on the future of Saudi Arabia and the way the world's top bankers view the conservative kingdom. Yet the decision taken inside the Al-Yamama Palace garnered little attention either inside or outside the country. Buried near the bottom of a 1,400-word statement was the news that the Public Investment Fund would report to the newly created Economic and Development Affairs Council instead of the Finance Ministry. And the president of that council, Prince Mohammed bin Salman, would take over as PIF chairman. The meeting in March 2015 was an early indicator of the Crown Prince's ambitions and the financial power the ageing monarch's favoured son would soon come to wield. It marked the beginning of the radical transformation of the PIF from a near-dormant state-holding company into arguably the world's most active sovereign investment vehicle, likened by some to a parallel state. In the three years since, the PIF has invested tens of billions of dollars at home and abroad in companies ranging from Uber to Magic Leap, and in ventures with Blackstone and SoftBank, while targeting a doubling of its assets under management to $600 billion by 2020. In the process, it has morphed into the most powerful force in the Arab world's biggest economy. The flurry of activity has been driven by Prince Mohammed, the country's de facto leader, who chose the fund as the vehicle to spearhead the modernisation of the oil-addicted economy. A Saudi analyst says, It was one of the first departments targeted by Prince Mohammed. He adds, It's become the most important vehicle for MBS in terms of his political, personal, economic and social agenda in the country. It's a one-man investment vehicle. But the scandal triggered by the killing of Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi journalist, has put the PIF, like its patron, in jeopardy of losing its luster. Amid macabre reports of the journalist's killing the fund has become a glaring example of the potential economic damage for the kingdom as Riyadh grapples with Saudi Arabia's biggest diplomatic crisis with the West since the September 11 attacks on the US in 2001. For the past week, the PIF has been scrambling to save its flagship investment conference, which opened in Riyadh on Tuesday. Last year, the event underlined the fund's pulling power as the world's top financiers and executives flocked to a gathering dubbed Davos in the desert. 
This year, it has been about crisis management, as a string of Western trade ministers and executives have pulled out over the Khashoggi case. A financial executive with an operation in the kingdom says, "No one can brush this off. The crown prince will be forever associated with this." At risk is Riyadh's ability to attract the foreign investment, skills, and technology it needs to build the modern economy Prince Mohammed has promised, and address the urgent need to provide jobs for a youthful population blighted by rising unemployment. Karen Young, a golf expert at the American Enterprise Institute, says it is a huge setback for the PIF strategy of partnerships with foreign investors and joint projects inside the kingdom. She adds. Riyadh may well try to increase forms of patronage and pull back from painful reforms. After more than two weeks of denials, Riyadh admitted on Saturday that Khashoggi died in the diplomatic mission, but said that his death was the result of a fistfight. Analysts and Western politicians are skeptical about this version of events, and many believe no operation against the journalist could have been authorized without Prince Mohammed's knowledge. Multinational groups, including Deloitte, HSBC, McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group, and Siemens, are still listed as conference partners. But even before the Khashoggi crisis, the task of overhauling an economy built with and dependent on petrodollars was daunting, and it just got harder. Jubin Joes, an investment expert at the Gulf Investment Fund, says. The market has been underestimating the political and macro challenges Saudi Arabia is facing for some time. Recent events have raised the political risk premium further, with international companies having taken a strong position on the Khashoggi incident. He continues, "This won't help economic diversification, given the cornerstone idea was to have increased private sector participation and to attract foreign funding." Growth has been stagnant in the world's top oil exporter since crude prices plummeted in 2014 and the kingdom slipped into recession in 2017. Unemployment rose to 12.9 percent in the first three months of this year, according to government data, the highest level on record. In a country where two-thirds of the population is aged under 29, youth joblessness is more than 25 percent, a figure that doubles for young women. It was against this backdrop that Prince Mohammed wooed young Saudis and enchanted Western politicians and executives by promising an aggressive transformation of the economy and a more tolerant society. Two years ago, Riyadh launched a national transformation plan with the goals of reducing the dominant role of the state and developing the private sector with a target of creating more than 450,000 jobs by 2020. The 33-year-old's plans drew plaudits. With few disputing that the kingdom was in dire need of a shake-up, the PIF, central to the plan, would invest in international assets, partly to use its financial muscle to bring foreign capital, technology, and skills to the kingdom. But it is inside the country of 33 million people where its reach has been most deeply felt. Created in 1971 to finance domestic projects, the PIF also acted as custodian. Of the government's stakes in companies, including chemicals producer Sabic, National Commercial Bank, and Saudi Telecom. For decades, it did little more than provide loans, but in 2008, it dipped its toe into the world of active state investment with the launch of Sanabil, a sovereign wealth fund with initial capital of just five billion dollars.
Since it came under Prince Mohammed's leadership, the fund has set up an array of companies ranging from energy efficiency and waste management to entertainment, defence and religious tourism, its tentacles reaching across all sectors as it promises to create entire new industries and ecosystems. In tandem, it has announced half a dozen huge projects, each with bold targets of adding billions of dollars to the economy and creating thousands of jobs. They include NEOM, which was branded as a $500 billion futuristic investment zone. But away from the eye-catching deals and announcements, there have been increasing signs that the economic reform programme is under strain. The much-anticipated initial public offering of Saudi Aramco, the oil company, has been shelved, and a broader domestic privatisation programme looks to have stalled, analysts say. Instead, the state, through the PIF, appears to be entrenching its dominance of the economy while many companies in the private sector, which in 2017 accounted for 48% of gross domestic product, have been battered by weak growth, as well as fuel and electricity price rises and new tariffs on foreign workers. The bleak mood has been exacerbated by Prince Mohammed's anti-corruption purge that has cowed wealthy merchant families. About 300 princes, tycoons and former government officials were rounded up in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Riyadh last November. Most have been released, but only after transferring cash and assets to the state, including from Saudi Bin Laden, the region's largest construction group, and the Middle East Broadcasting Centre, the region's largest media company. At the time of the crackdown, Khashoggi wrote... There are rumours that the state will place some private companies under the custody of the government's public investment fund, further entangling business and government, preventing the Saudi economy from realising its full potential. Prince Mohammed told Bloomberg this month that the seized assets would be managed by Istidama, a state company formed in the wake of the purge, and cash moved to the treasury. A banker with Saudi clients says the arrests of businessmen have continued, adding that some people are selling luxury goods from watches to private jets to stash cash offshore. People are worried and scared, the banker says. Yet in an increasingly autocratic environment, any debates about Prince Mohammed's plans and the role of the PIF is muted. The authorities have detained activists, academics, bloggers and clerics. Essam al-Zamil an economist who criticised the planned Saudi Aramco IPO, has been in prison for a year and is reportedly charged with membership of a terrorist organisation and meeting foreign diplomats. Sarah Lee Whitson, Middle East Director at Human Rights Watch, says, Saudi has just reminded people that there's a law that makes it a crime, punishable by five years in prison, even to spread rumours, including just to have it on your computer. She continues... So he's not only threatening people from discussing, he's threatening people from reading. The concentration of power in the PIF reflects Prince Mohammed's desire to control all spheres of the kingdom. The crown prince regards the traditional private sector, much of which depends on government contracts, as a leech that does not deliver value, just sucks money out and is taking no risk, according to a person familiar with the royal court. The person says... That is why his view is, I'm going to build a different private sector. They add, In the beginning, there was this deep-seated belief that we need the private sector, but not the Saudi private sector, which was a bit naive because the international private sector won't come in if the domestic private sector is not investing. 
The PIF insists it is evolving new sectors. A PIF spokesman says, "We are proud of what has been achieved in just a couple of years. We have carried out investments and built partnerships at home and abroad that are already generating sustainable returns and delivering a positive impact." By elevating the role of the fund, Prince Mohammed, who heads its five-man executive committee, believes he can shape the direction of economic development and the outcomes, such as levels of Saudi employment in the private sector. A senior banker says, "It is, however, a risky strategy, and with every new deal announced, questions have been raised about the PIF's transparency, its management capacity. It employs close to 300 people, up from 70 two years ago, who are supported by an army of Western consultants." And how it intends to finance the tens of billions of dollars of investments, the IMF estimates that the PIF is expected to invest 83 billion Saudi rials, or 22 billion dollars, in the domestic economy this year alone. The person with knowledge of the royal court says, "You need 500 people to manage the fund and its projects. And where are you going to get the management teams, the middle management? And then there's the money you are going to have to invest." They add. There's no way they can do the reform program without foreign and domestic capital. So how is he going to square that? Over ten years, the PIF will get some liquidity, but you need it in three to five years. The fund raised eleven billion dollars in syndicated loans in August, an unusual step as sovereign investment vehicles typically only borrow against specific investments. It is also at the centre of the surprise shakeup of the kingdom's two corporate champions. Aramco's decision to acquire a 70% stake in Sabic was largely driven by the need to raise cash to fund the PIF spending. That deal, which officials are using to justify delaying Aramco's privatisation, is expected to net the PIF 70 billion dollars when the fund's holding in Sabic is transferred to the state oil company next year. For all the hype, foreign direct investment into the kingdom plunged from 7.45 billion dollars in 2016 to 1.42 billion dollars last year, according to UN data. The senior banker, speaking even before the Khashoggi disappearance, says, "People have been looking to invest, but it's not straightforward because you've got risks coming at you from all angles. Moreover, the crisis threatens to heighten tensions in the ruling family." The Khashoggi case may not undermine the PIF's ability to continue snapping up foreign assets. Bankers say, the challenge will be inward investment. One banker says, it is way more unpredictable now. A foreign diplomat who knows the country says, you look at the people willing to take a hit now in international business by boycotting the PIF's conference. No one is going to want to touch him, Prince Mohammed. They add. If you end up with Mohammed bin Salman, who is supposed to be the conservative monarchy's answer to the Arab Spring, and this is the way you get reform, I don't see how you come back from that. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this Big Read podcast, you can subscribe on all the usual channels. If you're not already an FT subscriber, visit ft.com/offer for our latest subscription offers. This episode was produced by Harry Robertson. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.